listeners, welcome back to another podcast with Mad Dog. Today we'll be talking about the one and only John Dillinger. For those who may not know who John Dillinger is, he's an infamous bank robber from the Great Depression era. Now, he's not near as famous as Jesse James nor the famous duo Bonnie and Clyde, but I'd say he's pretty well known nationwide. So, folks, let's learn a little bit of his backstory, shall we? So we all know he's a bank robber, right? What could have led him to making his whole entire career dedicated to robbery and the art of it? Why did he do it? How did he escape jail not once, but twice? It all boils down to what his childhood was like. Childhood is the most crucial stage in someone becoming who they are in the future. Having traumatic moments in their childhood alters their life and the way they live it forever. I remember the first time I got a concussion. I was sliding into a home and the catcher went to tag me out, but she pulled my helmet off and I bounced my head off the ground. After that, I blacked out. I was told I was out for at least five minutes. I've never been more cautious about playing sports after that incident. As stated in ncbi.nlm.nih.gov, Developmental Traumatology, the Systemic Investigation of Psychiatric and Psychobiological Effects of Chronic Overwhelming Stress of the Developing Child, provides framework used in this critical review of biological effects on pediatric trauma. John Dillinger is originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. John Dillinger's mom died when he was only four years old. For any child, that would be a life-altering moment. How would you have coped with this instance? After his mother had passed away, his father remarried. Dillinger did not care for his stepmother at all. This new marriage brought out the worst in John's father. John soon endured physical abuse in the household and was essentially raised by his older sister. According to crimemuseum.org, in 1923, Dillinger joined the Navy but grew tired of it quickly, ultimately deserting. He returned to Indiana and told his friends and family that he had been discharged. This is what essentially began John Dillinger's career in robbery. For Dillinger's last heist, he had planned for it to occur in South Bend, Indiana. That last heist would be the heist to end John Dillinger's legacy, though he did not die in this last heist. The notorious bank robber and gang member would go down in history by three bullets fired from a police officer's gun, which would fatally wound him. For Dillinger's last heist, he had planned for it to occur in South Bend, Indiana. That last heist would be the heist to end John Dillinger's legacy, though he did not die in in this last heist. The notorious bank robber and gang member would go down in history by three bullets fired from a police officer's gun, which would fatally wound him. After Dillinger's heist in South Bend, there had been a $10,000 bounty put on his head. Money and reward can bring out the worst in people. Your closest allies, friends, and even family can turn on you in a split second because of their greed and selfishness for themselves. The real question is, can you actually count on people you call friend or family, or is it just a facade that they are showing you to get close to you? You tell me. Dillinger thought he had a friend that went by the name Anna Sage, when her real name was Anna Cumpanas. According to FBI.gov, she had entered the United States from her native, Romania, in 1914. Because of the nature of her profession, she was considered an undesirable alien by the Immigration and Naturalization Service, and deportation proceedings had been started. Anna was willing to sell the FBI some information about Dillinger for a cash reward, 
plus FBI's help in preventing her deportation. This shows you when push comes to shove, people who are not loyal or say they are your friends will do anything to benefit themselves in the long run, even if it's at the expense of another person. Dillinger was killed in an alleyway beside the Biograph Theater. Dillinger was set up. He only realized this after the movie had ended. Dillinger and the two gals he was accompanied by, Anna Sage, as well as Polly Hamilton, had walked out of the movie theater by his side. From there, he had turned his head to the left to see Purvis, the police officer that wanted Dillinger dead. Purvis had lit a long, brown, chunky cigar to signal the other undercover cops. At that moment, Dillinger knew what was going to happen. His adrenaline kicked into high gear as well as his fight-or-flight reactions. As stated in FBI.gov, he grabbed a pistol from his right trouser pocket as he ran toward the alley. Five shots were fired from the guns of the three FBI agents. shots hit Dillinger and he fell face down on the pavement. At 10.50 p.m. on July 22, 1934, John Dillinger was pronounced dead in a little room in the Alexian Brothers Hospital. If you were in this situation, would you have fought your way out but you wouldn't live? Or would you have surrendered yourself to the authorities and you could have possibly lived but served time in prison for it? By now, y'all are probably wondering, well, Exactly how did John Dillinger get into the robbing business? Well, it all began after he divorced from his previous wife, Beryl Hovius. After the divorce, Dillinger moved back to his hometown in Indianapolis, Indiana. There he would meet Ed Singleton, in which was a previous convict, in a grocery store. Singleton and Dillinger went on a heist together. This would be Dillinger's first ever heist he had taken part in. It was said to be a botched grocery store holdup. Dillinger was caught up in a brawl with the store owner and knocked him unconscious. Thinking that he had murdered the store owner, Dillinger fled the scene. Amid the disaster, Singleton listened to gunshots fired from Dillinger's weapon from inside the store. Singleton at that point froze and ran away with their getaway vehicle. Panicked, Dillinger turned himself in for the heist and would serve 10 years in prison. If you were in Dillinger's shoes at that very moment, how would you have reacted? Would you want to get revenge on Singleton after you were released? Was it rational for Singleton to flee the scene? After Dillinger had finished serving his 10 years in prison, he was always planning another heist. He was constantly on the move, whether it was one, to rob a new place, or two, he was running from the authorities. From 1933 to 1934, Dillinger had robbed 11 banks. 11. According to CrimeMuseum.org, all told Dillinger racked up more than $300,000 throughout his entire bank robbing career. $300,000. That is a lump sum of money. Where in tarnation and what in tarnation could he have done with all of that money? Out of all 11 banks he robbed, the bank he robbed on October 23, 1933, the Central Nation Bank and Trust and Co. in Greencastle, Indiana, is the heist he stole the most money from. Dillinger stole $76,000 in that one single heist. What did he do with his money? Where in tarnation could he have hidden the money as well? Like I said, 
I myself have had these very thoughts. I personally wouldn't know what to do with all this money I had stolen. Throughout the years of Dillinger and his gang robbing multiple banks, the FBI was always trying to run after them, trying to catch all of them. While trying to catch them, the FBI spent more money trying to catch them than Dillinger stole throughout his entire bank robbing career. The FBI spent $2 million in just chasing after Dillinger and his gang. Dillinger stole at least $300,000. Do you think that spending $2 million on Dillinger was worth it in the end? Or would it have been more beneficial to let him continue to rob more banks? But, on the other hand, if they didn't stop him from robbing the banks, think how many more casualties there would be. How much money would be stolen and nothing being able to replenish what has been stolen from these banks? I think that the FBI did what was needed to ensure people's safety. As you can see, Dillinger had a life filled with thrilling adventures. Sadly, his life was cut short by fatal bullet wounds fired by police officers. His legacy will be forever taught throughout these history books. Thank you all for joining another podcast with Mad Dog. Next week, we will be discussing the topic of Al Capone and his time spell at Alcatraz. For now, folks, peace out, Girl Scout. Mad Dog out.